Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. This is Turning to Him. My name is Zach Batty, and I am here with Matt Slack. Matt is a father of four. He's a producer. He's a business owner. And uh, his house is filled, according to him, with kids and drum sets. Uh, Matt, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. Um, I got to say, I love that shirt. <laughs> show me that shirt. Hey, thank you. Yeah, this is from uh, Navu Supply Company. So That's shout awesome. out to them. <laughs> the metal plates written by the hand of Nephi. That's fantastic. You are clearly a lover of music. Absolutely. I felt like this shirt was a culmination of my obsession with music, but also just loving the Book of Mormon. And I was yeah, just yeah. like, this is this has got to be something I have. So <laughs> well, hey, give me a quick 30-second introduction of yourself and uh yeah, as though we were at a dinner appointment. Sure. Well, so um, I'm in Austin, Texas, actually just a suburb of Austin, Texas. It's called Round Rock. And uh, we've been here about 11, 12 years now. And uh, we love it. Love Texas. I actually grew up in San Diego, California. Okay. And um, loved, it, loved it there too. But, you know, the cost of living is something where I just had to find a more affordable place to live. So. Um, sure. ended up going to school at BYU, studied music at BYU and it was there. I met my wife and we got married and was trying to pick a place to, you know, do music. Cause that's, that was my passion. That's what I wanted to do. I want to do music. And, uh, so we settled on Austin, Texas after talking to a few different people and we moved here sight unseen. Just, we actually pulled up, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of South by Southwest. It's like a yes. music festival here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we pulled up during South by Southwest in a U-Haul and just dumped everything in a storage unit and then just hit the streets and, and we haven't turned back. So it's been a fun ride. Now we're That's four kids deep. Uh, I, I actually own a music school here in Round Rock. So I'm just doing music and hanging out with my family and making beats and just having a good time. Living the dream. It's a, it's a fun dream to live and I'm really blessed to have it. So that's fantastic. So have you loved music from the very beginning? I mean, like as a kid, were you like, I'm going to do music my whole life? Um, you know, when I was five, that's when I started piano lessons, you know, okay. like, like most LDS families, you get into <laughs> piano lessons pretty early. And that was me. And I actually liked it. Like I enjoyed it. I was a decent piano player. Um, and it wasn't until I probably got into my early teens that I really decided I wanted to do music for the rest of my life in some capacity. I wasn't really sure what that would mean. And I've had lots of different dreams and ideas of what that could pan out to be. But probably when I was 11 or 12, I was in a youth orchestra in San Diego and we got a chance to perform in some magnificent concert halls. And I was a percussionist. That's, that's what I played. Once I got to be 11 or 12, I started playing drums, uh, percussion 
And so I was the percussionist in this orchestra and playing in these concert halls. And, and, um, that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. So, so I did the marching band thing in high school and I went to BYU and I was in a lot of their ensembles there. And every single one of them was such a blast. I mean, at BYU, they have so many different things you can do. You can be in the drum line, which I was, you could be in a percussion ensemble where you're playing marimbas and whatever. And I love that. You could be in a steel band where you're playing Caribbean steel pans. You could be in a salsa, salsa band. So I, I did every possible thing I could do. Just, just wanted to do it all. And I uh, wasn't really sure what that would pan out to be. Um, but I just knew I needed to make sure I had music in my life. So I just want to take a minute right here and shout out to if we have any like five-year-old listeners of this show, keep practicing the piano and you can grow up and be like Matt. Because <laughs> if you don't practice the piano, you're going to grow up and be like me. And oh, clearly, no. clearly, we want to be like Matt here. Was it, so, I mean, when you were, when you were practicing the piano, were you like the rest of us? We were just like, uh, bing, 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 bing. Or were you, you were into it? I, I was, I was into it. I think I was into it because I, uh, I like listening to music a lot. And my parents had a record player I, that dates me a little bit, but you know, I would go and I would put on whatever records they had. We didn't have too many records. You know, we'd listen to CDs mostly, but sure. the record player, once I figured out how it worked, I was like, oh, I want to listen to these. It's pretty cool. And yeah, I liked listening to music. I won't say that I'm like a phenomenal pianist, but I was blessed to have some good teachers who were like, hey, he's he can do some things. He's He's decent, you know, and uh, they put the right music in front of me or they would hear me when I would say, hey, I want to learn this song or I want to learn you know, this song I heard on the TV or this song I heard on Moody Tunes one morning or whatever. And they'd be like, okay, you know, that's a little hard, but maybe we can get you something like this, you know? So yeah, I, I didn't hate it. I actually really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Uh, why percussion? Um, well in sixth grade, you get the option of doing an an elective, right? Mm -hmm. And so middle school, you can do an elective and they didn't have piano in concert band. So, so basically they, I was like, well, I could, I could do percussion because I know how to read, you know, the staff and, um, know how to read notes and I know how to count rhythms and lo and behold, being able to know that as a sixth grader is something the band director really likes. Yes. Because, you know, I didn't realize a lot of the other students coming in had never played percussion myself included. I never actually played percussion, but I knew how to read music and count music already as a pianist. And so I got the good parts, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. oh, let's, let's give Matt this part. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. So just a lot of good, good opportunities, I think. So, and I just loved it. I loved percussion, how you can, um, you can literally create music out of metal or wood or just objects that, that you feel like don't have a soul, but once you hit them or you play them in a melodic way, they can speak to you somewhere or they can just get your blood pumping. You know, yep. if you have some anger or frustration, you can just hit some drums and it makes you feel good. It's therapeutic. That's awesome. My, my experience in the middle school band was in the fifth grade. I 
think it was the fifth grade, I started the saxophone. And I played saxophone in fifth and sixth grade. And I got the worst cold source, but I needed the I needed a band credit or a fine arts credit. And we were like halfway through the school year. And I told my band teacher, look, I can't play the saxophone anymore. Like my face is exploding. And I mean, we, there's like, I think there was like three months left of band or maybe two months left of band. I said, what, what can I do? And he said, okay, look, here's the bass drum. When you see a note on the page, bang the drum. I said, okay, I can yeah. do that. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. So, so thanks to Mr. Hunky, who let me get my fine arts credit for that year. <laughs> <laughs> That's my percussion Bass drum to the rescue. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this poor snare drummer was like, just stay out of my way, please. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Excellent. It was great. Excellent. Okay. Um, why BYU? I mean, I assume you graduate high school. Um, yeah. And I mean, you've been doing band now. You're, you're a major part in the band. Or I mean, in the orchestra. Yeah. I'm sorry, in the orchestra. Yeah. So why BYU? Um. Well, I in 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 high school, I'd gone to some of the summer camps that were at BYU. Okay. So sometimes they'd have like EFY at BYU or something like that. Well, for the band nerds, they would have something called Summerfest. Okay, and they do it over a week, and you get to sleep in the dorms, and you get to play music all day. Yeah, and the teachers of Summerfest were the actual professors at BYU. So. They would be the ones teaching these high schoolers not to be so hacky on the drum set. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was super hacky. Like I was, I was such a not taught or refined drum set player. Once I got to BYU in high school, you know, at the Summerfest camps, and I could just see the look on these professors' faces, right? Who later on became my actual professors when I attended BYU, right? So I was yes. like. I can only imagine their faces when I walk in the first day and they're like, oh, this kid from Summerfest. Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's that's kind of what it was. I was like, you know, in in the long of it, it was affordable, right? Going to BYU okay. was is pretty affordable if you're a member of the church or whatever other circumstance. And, uh, and um, I knew some of the people there. I knew some friends who were going, you know, that I met at Summerfest, right? So, yeah. It was one of those things where it's like, okay, this is kind of a, a nice transition. I knew I wanted to do music. It's, um, I auditioned at some other music schools. I got a scholarship to one in California. Um, but I just weighed out the cost really is what it all came down to. I was like, hey, even with the scholarship, BYU is more affordable. So let me go that direction. Yep. And uh, it was a blast. It was a good time. Very good. Very cool. Uh, did you make your wife there, you said? Yeah. How did that did. go? You know, we were uh we were in the same ward. We lived in the same apartment complex. My wife was attending cosmetology school. You know, they have a bunch of different cosmetology schools there. So I actually home taught her roommate. Um and uh so I home taught her roommate. So I was a we were acquaintances. And because my wife was in cosmetology school, she would she would cut all my roommates' hair, you know. Um, they She'd set up appointments in all afternoon. She'd cut all my roommates' hair. But I was kind of never there. I was never at the apartment. Um, I was actually dating somebody else at the time. <laughs> and uh, 
So anyway, this girl I was dating, uh, all my roommates knew the drama in that situation that was going on. You know, it was a bunch of drama, right? And so they would talk to my now wife about, oh, Matt's dating this girl and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, she's just like, you know, why is he doing this? What's going on? So she was kind of acquainted with my circumstances, what was going on. What ended up happening was uh, uh, when we very, very first met at the first activity at, you know, our ward activity, we were just introducing everyone. We're getting to know everyone. Hi, everybody. And uh, I sat next to her at the, you know, at the table because we're getting some food at the bishop's house. And, you know, it's like, hey, where are you from? And she's from Warner Robins, Georgia, central Georgia. Okay. And I had no idea. I'd never been to Georgia, right? And uh, she asked me where I'm from. I said, I'm from San Diego, California. And she's like, oh, really? And she was a big fan of the San Diego Temple, like, you know, most most people are. Sure. And she said, well, next time you go to San Diego, uh, I'll help pay for gas. If, you, if I can come with you, we can road trip down there. And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. You That's know, right. so that was a that was a conversation at the beginning of the semester you know, probably nine to 10 months later, uh, me and that other girlfriend that was going on had broken off and it was time to take that trip to San Diego. So me and my roommate were planning on going. And I just remember that conversation with, with, uh, with Brittany, her name's Brittany. And, uh, I just, it stuck with me, just her personality and how outgoing she was. And, um, she wanted to go to San Diego and she also said she'd pitch in for gas. Uh, but also, she, <laughs> but she was, you know, just a fun, outgoing person. So anyway, uh, you know, I still had her contact. And I said, hey, me and my roommate are going to do a, a road trip to San Diego if you want to come with. And so she ended up coming down. And we all drove down together. And she and I talked the whole time. We were just talking. It's like a five-hour, six-hour drive, you know. And we just talked the whole time, all the way down, and hung out in San Diego. From Provo to San Diego? Yeah. 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 You definitely were Twitter-pated, because it is not a five-hour drive. It's not? It's, no, it's like a 10-hour <laughs> drive. 10-hour you were, drive. You were in the zone from the beginning. I know. It's true. <laughs> like, we were just, it was just jiving really good. And, I mean, she's she's that type of personality where you feel really comfortable with any person, right? She just makes you feel comfortable and and uh, makes you feel seen and everything. So yeah, that 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 drive down went like that, and um, you know we drove back to Provo and and I was just like, hey, we should uh, we should go on a date or something, you know? And that was pretty much how it worked out. She we started dating. We actually got married uh, in San Diego, of course. Yes. Um, uh, a year after that weekend, so twelve months after that weekend, um, when we first officially like started dating, uh, we were married. So that's a really cool story. Yeah, I just checked; it's a ten-hour and twenty-eight-minute drive. <laughs> oh. Ten hour. Oh my god, <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, and I mean, really, you could argue that your first date was to the temple. That's a bold move. That's oh wow! Bold... Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, now, you mentioned when you got married, we're kind of jumping around here, but you mentioned that 
when you moved to Texas, you pulled up to South by Southwest, got the storage unit, and then you hit it. So your wife is fully into the into both your career and the music scene also, I'm assuming. I mean, she's into this as well. She's put so much trust in me. Like, she's put so much trust and confidence in abilities that supposedly she sees within me and that she's probably has seen but hadn't fully realized itself yet. And so, yeah, she she has really trusted so much in in this quote unquote plan. I wouldn't call it a plan per se. It's not, you know, what traditional people plan. But I, I also feel like, you know, I also feel like if you're if you're right with God in the right places, um, he's not going to allow you to fail. He's going to teach you a lot of things. Like he's going to teach you a lot of lessons. And of course I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way and otherwise, but I feel like when God knows you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to live the right way. I feel like he really strives to put the right opportunities in your path. So that way you can find fulfillment in yourself. You can find happiness in the life you envision for yourself, but also um, give you a chance to, to grow in meaningful ways. And so we've, I feel like that's, what's been really special about it is we have had hard things come about where we're learning from mistakes or learning from, you know, doing things without necessarily having a great plan in place. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I have totally seen the hand of the Lord just basically take us and help us to where we're not going to basically crash and burn, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me about some of those, because that's a, that's a valuable life lesson that I think most of us have to learn many times throughout because we forget. And, and um, at least for me, it seems to go in cycles where life is life gets comfortable and sometimes we feel like life being comfortable is synonymous with life being blessed and then life gets uncomfortable and we incorrectly say oh i must not be being blessed right now because my life isn't comfortable um it sounds like though you have you have learned and you have the perspective that it's all blessings it's yeah. just whether you're comfortable or uncomfortable yeah Tell me about that. Yeah, I, well, absolutely right. And I'm glad you bring that up because sometimes my wife and I will be talking and we'll be on this huge up curve where it's just things are going really great, you know, or we just feel, you know, like we're succeeding. And in the back of my mind, I'm just like, something's going to happen. Something's coming up around the edge, right? What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Um, you know, one of those moments was, uh, um, before, so I, you know, I run a music school now, but prior to that, uh, I started a company with a business partner and, uh, we created sound libraries or sample libraries, you know, content music libraries. And we would sell those, you know, on our website. And I, you know, I would write a lot of compositions and music and we would write a lot of drum beats and piano chords and things like that. It's, and, um, it was doing great. 
And, you know, I was thinking like, this is my calling. This is what I was meant to do because mm-hmm. prior to this, this type of musical business, maybe in my BYU years or high school years, I was like, I want to be in a band. I want to be touring. I want to be playing drums on a stage and doing all this stuff. And after getting married and having our first child, I was like, that's not really conducive to to the lifestyle I want to have. So I was searching for other other types of businesses or other things I could do that involve music. And this was one of them. So my business partner and I started this company. We were doing really well. We had um we had, you know, licensed a bunch of music. We actually had some music that accidentally ended up in a Super Bowl commercial in 2017. Yeah, it was you know, it was amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's congratulations. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely huge. It was um I say accidentally because we didn't know that a company had used it for that purpose. And so okay. I was, you know, we were watching the game and I hear one of the commercials go and uh I was just like, "Man, this song sounds great." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was really jamming to it and then I'm like, "Hold on a second this is our song. And I called my business partner. I was like, did you just, are you watching the game right now? He's like, yeah. I was like, did you just hear that commercial? He's like, yeah, dude, I heard it. That's our song. I'm like, oh my gosh, did anybody call you to license that or anything? He's like, no. I'm like, we got to get a lawyer. What are we yeah, doing? Yeah. <laughs> so we did, you know, and we ended up getting compensated after the fact. So that was like one of these huge pinnacle points, right? We're riding this up uptick and, we're really feeling good and making some traction. And then um, what ended up happening with, with some of that money we got for the Super Bowl, I purchased this music school and I was starting to venture out into other businesses. And, uh, and my business partner who lived in another city, I live, you know, in Austin and he lives another part of Texas close by, but not, not really close enough. After a few months of me running the music school and then, also working with him, you know, he was feeling like, Hey, like you got this other thing going on. And, you know, I I'd like to get involved with that. And I kind of told him, I was like, Hey, this is, this is kind of my thing, but you know, maybe there's a way we can incorporate our business into this, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll still be involved, but, uh, he didn't really like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, because I wasn't really willing to work with him with this new venture, he basically was like, well, I, I don't want you as a business partner. I think we should set things up differently. And it got really nasty. It got really mm-hmm. nasty. And, uh, you know, this is a person who I considered a brother, you know, like we had had deep conversations about fatherhood or religion or just our, you know, who we are as, as men or, before God and who we should be. And, and then all of a sudden that kind of all vanished and it became really antagonistic and things like that. So we ended up uh, splitting ways in a kind of a nasty way. I tried to sell him my part of the business, which didn't end up really working out to where he just kind of took it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and and that really sucked because I, I really felt at points of working in that business, I felt like, oh man, this is totally my calling. This is what I should be doing. This 
This gives me the the freedom to spend time with my family, but not be pulled away from them physically on the road or, you know, doing X, Y, Z, but I can still make a lot of music. And, and then all of a sudden that whole aspect was gone. Not to mention the income that came from that too was gone, you right. know, and, uh, which was a substantial part of our income at that time. So, um, kind of crashed really heavy in that moment. And, uh, it was tough because there was that betrayal aspect with, you know, losing a friend, you know, losing that income that was helping support our family. But then also just kind of wondering, like, was that really what I thought it was? You know, I kind of questioned, you know, for, for a time I questioned, like, you know, it was such a blessing, but was that really what God had intended for me? You know? Yeah. And, uh, so it was a lot of things to work through and I actually kind of stopped making music at that point. Like we were making so much music for that business. I actually stopped making music for a number of years. That was 2017. And so I, I kind of started making music again, maybe two years ago. So there was like a big five year gap Wow. where I just yeah. didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy making music because it was, it was kind of tainted a little bit, you know? Wow. Okay. Talk to me about your relationship with the savior through all of that. Was there, um, was that affected at all? Was there any anger or how did that work? <clears throat> I, you know, what was really interesting is I was so incredibly angry, but not, I wasn't angry you know, at God mm -hmm. or, or anything spiritual. I was just so frustrated that something that I love so much was taken from me and, uh, you know, kind of in a hostile way. And I felt like I was owed so much, right? You know, here I was feeling like this was a business that had my name in it. You know, yeah. it still yeah. has my name in it to this day. Right. And I'm just like, and I feel like, how is it just that this person to be able to do this and walk away with this? And ultimately, you know, it, it didn't make sense to get legal, legal battles in this. It just wouldn't financially have worked out. So it was really something where I had to walk away. Mm -hmm. And just allow the unjust actions to to pass. And when I would think about it, I would get, you know, really upset because of how unjust it felt. And how something that I had helped build, now I was erased out of. And... In those moments, I really, really was trying to understand how Christ forgives, like trying to understand how Christ forgives those, all people, those who betrayed him, those who, you know, mocked him or those who, um, you know, were faithful for a time and then went a separate way and then denied him, you know? And 
I I remember a general conference. I don't remember the specific talk, but this was a general conference, I think, in 2020. And I just remember the moment and the feeling that I had where the the peace that I felt from those words and from contemplating Christ helped me put that pain away and out of my life. It was just something that was buried so deep within me. It was, I was able to extract it and say, Christ's going to do what he needs to do. And I trust whatever, whatever happens with it. But, you know, for me, I was able to move on and feel like I can do something again. I can, I can be free from that, from that anger. And so it just taught me, well, I just felt like forgiveness at that level had never been expected from me before. Like it was a trial to where I was expected to forgive. Yes. And it, it was such a process for me to do that because, you know, I still knew people. We still knew people in the same circles. We still had to work through different legal processes of the separation and different royalty payments that were still coming in. So we're still in contact and, oh man, it was such a tough time. And I just remember the the relief I felt to finally put that in the Savior's hands and have him take it. And it was a different, it was a whole different day. It was a whole different feeling. And it's amazing how much they can take from you, but how much he can give you peace. I was just shocked because it was just a different moment. I mean, you talk about um, the difficult situations that we find ourselves in, and it's those difficult situations that bring us the most uh, poignant lessons. You know, my, my assumption is that if your business partner would have stolen 500 bucks from you and walked away, you would have forgiven him at some point, but it would not have been the same level of, of peace that you felt because he took, because so much was taken from you. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was much more than just the money. It was, right. it was that friendship. It was that kind of just everything we had built. And then it just kind of being driven off without you, you know, yes. and that was a humbling, it was a humbling thing. It was definitely humbling. Was there a point that you said to yourself or to God, okay, I'm not, I'm not ready to forgive him yet, but I want to be ready to forgive him. Was there any point like that? Or for you, was it just all of a sudden the anger was gone? Yeah, there was definitely stages, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> it was yeah. definitely a process to where, you know, I would say like, hey, you know, it's okay. I still got this music school that I'm doing and that's my thing. But, you know, then I would go and make some music or I'd try to make some music on my own and it just, just was tainted. You know, it mm-hmm. just felt, you know, there's just too much there that that was tied to that to that previous relationship but you know just that whole other venture 
And I think that was part of it to where I was like, hey, I don't like making music anymore. And I hated that part the most too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think there was lots of spiritual things that were put in my brain to like say, hey, try this. Hey, try this. Hey, try this. And over those different things that I tried, I worked, you know, it worked itself out. But I know that those inspirations came through me attempting to make peace in my mind and trying to verbalize it, trying so hard to, you know, make it work in this situation or manifest it in my way. But there would always be this reminder. And then, you know, after probably a couple years, I, I, and, and after that, those feelings at general conference, I was like, wow, like that's when, that's when the relief really hit me. You know? Yeah, I love the story. I, I love your story because um, you could have chosen to point your anger in a lot of different directions. And I think a lot of people choose to point that to God. And I think that's that's where things get really dangerous. And it seems to me that because because you always stuck with God, you were able to have this wrestle, and it took a while. It took, you know, years, years. Yeah. But then eventually, you were led through the path of being able to forgive your business partner. And what was amazing is that so many things were put in my path to help me through this process. So during that time, like within that same year, 2017, I was called to be the primary chorister, right? So I do music time. I do singing time. Yes. And 2017, this was three hour block, right? Yes. You had an hour of singing time. I had, yeah. And we had a big primary. Our primary was a hundred kids. So we had junior primary, which is 50 kids, senior primary, another 50 kids. And, uh, you know, bless my pianist, Joe, he's amazing pianist because we would, we would lesson plan for that. And then we would throw it out the window because, you know, you never know what's going to happen in singing time. And I would just be calling out songs and he would jump on it and we would, we'd do all kinds of crazy stuff. But that was such a blessing for me because God knew I needed music in my life. Like he knew I still needed to have that blessing in my life constantly. Yes. And I got that calling and it was so amazing to be there on Sunday to teach singing time, teach the kids these songs, to have the words and meanings of these of these songs just imprint on myself after decades of not singing them. Then you get thrown in primary and you're singing them every Sunday again. And uh, it was such a joyful thing because you know, God knew I still needed that in my life. I still needed to be involved heavily with music. And then uh, that was kind of at the beginning of starting my music school or, or, you know, taking over this music school. And so little did I know I was getting a crash course in teaching little kids music on a grand scale. Yes. And so all of a sudden, you know, I'd be, I'd be on Sundays teaching primary songs to 50 kids for two hours. And then I go, you know, in my business and I'm 
teaching one-on-one piano or drums, or maybe I'm doing a rock band with three kids in it. And I'm like, this is a breeze. This is nothing. This is nothing. <laughs> I could do this. Yeah. I could do this in my sleep because on Sundays I got to really be on and, you know, teach yes. all these primary songs and everything like that. So it was such, it was such a blessing because, you know, I, it just helped me see how much God wanted me to have the things that brought me joy. He wanted yes. to put joy in my life. And so he found a way to do that. And at the same time, he found a way to train me in my new venture of owning a music school and really hone those skills to where I could be better prepared to have a successful business now that this other venture is gone. And so just all these things put into place. So it was hard to ignore the hand of God in my life, but it was still such a rough time. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it amazing to watch how the Lord is a multitasker? And, you know, on the one hand, you are blessing 100 kids' lives every Sunday and probably the coolest primary uh, music leader ever (laughs) in the history of the church. And and on the flip side, you're also getting some fantastic experience about how to train young people with music and do all that. I I love it. Um, You've since started writing music again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How did that feel? Tell me about that. Well, I mean, the thing is with music is that there's infinite possibilities. Sometimes you have, you know, a paralysis of ideas because you just have too many options, right? You have too many things that you could do. And so the question is, where do I even start? There's too many things that I could try. And, uh, the idea came actually from my, uh, from my next door neighbor. Um, he's not a member of the church. Um, but he and I, uh, he's got a home gym that is off the chart, right? He, uh, he's got a fantastic home gym and he and I are, are similar ages. And, and so he invited me to start working out with him and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So as we're exercising, he sometimes would put on this music and it would be basically like hip hop beats. And the, the words would be basically from a podcast. Okay. Or it would be some sort of motivational speech from some popular figure in pop culture. Yes. Or it could have been, I remember, I remember one that stood out to me. It was like Marcus Aurelius, right? And it was like stoic, stoic writings of Marcus Aurelius with these hip hop beats. Right. And that was like, that was like our, our amp up music. Like we're getting hyped. We're getting ready to lift weights. And I was like, this is perfect. Right. And you know, when you're, when you're in that zone, like you can't help, but hear the music and feel like, Oh, like these words are imprinting on me right? These words have meaning to me, even though like I'm doing an activity, I'm like still hearing what it's saying. And the music kind of gives it that, that vibe too. And so, uh, he would play this, he would play this type of music in his gym. Right. And we'd work out. And I had this idea. I was like, this would be pretty cool with like some epic book of Mormon story. And so 
I just like, what's the most epic one there? That's just hands down, like hype, hype central. And I was like, Captain Moroni, title of Liberty. He rents his coat. You know, he's not taking any bull from anybody. And he writes down all the things, you know, memory of our God and our wives and our children and our freedom. And I was like, this is the one. Let's let's try this out. So um, I actually have the Book of Mormon um, on vinyl records, like the entire Book of Mormon. Wow. Back in the back in the 60s, they pressed the Book of Mormon on vinyl records. And uh, I'm a big music fan. I collect vinyl records. So, of course, I have to have the Book of Mormon on vinyl records. So I have it. I have it right here. It's like 70 records. I was going to say, I think I think it's like 27 hours. It's so long. Like there was one year. I think it was the year. um, uh, President Monson challenged us to read the Book of Mormon before the end of the year. And I was like. Let me put on the record so that way I can hear it while I'm, you know, while I'm reading along or maybe I'm not reading. I'm just listening to it. So it's like audiobooks. But this this is the cool part. They press these records on gold. Vinyl. <laughs> no way. That I was is like, so man, cool. the art director gets a spot in the Celestial Kingdom. Yeah, just he, for, won. he won. That he won. One. Exactly. The so golden, we found them. We found the golden plates. They're right there. Exactly. <laughs> they preserve the records, right? So, uh, so I, I was like, let me pull from, you know, because I really like the way the guy reads the Book of Mormon in this in this recording. So that's what I was going to ask because his voice is fantastic. Is it that guy? I mean, is that, that the guy, recording, yeah. or did you have another artist come in and do it? No, these are pulled from these records. So this is that recording. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so he's got a very Bruce R. McConkie, like, you know what I mean? I tell you what it made me think of, because I listened to a couple of them, a couple of tracks. They're phenomenal. And I listened to the title of Liberty and I was going to say, I will never hear the title of Liberty again uh, and and feel the same way about it. Yeah. But it has it has a real, um, remember, the I think it was Baz Luhrmann, the Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen song? I'm not familiar. No. I'm I'm probably not saying the right title, but it's it was like a graduation speech, and it's just him kind of uh, just speaking. And he says, "Everybody, you know, you worry, but understand that worrying is a waste of time. It's like trying to solve algebra by chewing bubble gum." And it's just kind of this motivational speech behind this. And I thought, did he find that guy and get him to read the <laughs> scriptures? Like that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a great voice. And it's sad because they don't really cite who it is in the in the thing. I have to figure out who that is. But um, this was pressed in 1961, so it's 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 fairly old. But um, that was the first that was the first track I did was "Title of Liberty," and uh, just trying to make something that was I felt I trying to make the music fit the message or what I feel like could enhance the message that's that that's in in the scripture and i actually i actually chop up the the dictation or the mm-hmm. way that he speaks it i try to arrange it to fit somewhat musically i try i don't try to make it sound like they're rapping like i'm not trying right. to do that it still feels like spoken word 
but it kind of feels like slam poetry a little bit, right? Because they're they're flowing a little bit, but there are certain points where the actual words will hit on the beat. Yes. Or yes. certain messages in there, I will line up with the music to drive home that message, like a message that I feel is very important. I will line up with the music so that way it it kind of it takes hold more. It takes hold yes. in your thoughts. It takes hold in your in your memory. And uh, yeah, that was the first, that was kind of the first track I did. And I actually showed it to my neighbor, right? I showed it to him and, uh, and uh, he's a patriotic guy too. And so I thought he'd like it on both fronts, right? I thought he'd like it. Hey, this is a pretty patriotic message. And he loved it. You know, he, he thought it was pretty cool. And, uh, but then also I told him, I was like, Hey, this, I kind of started doing this because of, you know, the music you were playing in here, I thought, you know, why not try it with, with this scriptural message, with these passages in the Book of Mormon? And he told me, he's like, I think you're on to something. I think you're on to something pretty big. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. You know, and so that meant a lot, especially from someone, you know, who's not LDS and, and, yes. uh, and you know, he's Catholic or raised Catholic. Um, and so that, that meant a lot to hear like, hey, I think this could mean something and this could, this could be something of worth to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I know that I listened to a couple of, you sent me some samples and yeah. uh, I listened to a couple of tracks and it was really cool. I had no idea what it was going into it. And uh, so I first started out with um, Nephi's courage and I thought, oh, okay, there's going to be a little intro and then we'll get into the music. And then it, it just kept reading the scriptures. And I thought, this is really cool. This has got a really neat, feel to it and yeah i mean i'm, I'm just rehashing exactly what you said it, it, i love that it wasn't it's not rap it's not somebody trying to make the make the scriptures what they aren't right but it just it just adds a really cool feel to it is i really liked it i really liked oh, it. oh thanks yeah i appreciate it yeah it's not everyone's cup of tea right because you know some people don't really enjoy sure hip-hop music or whatever um, I'm a fan of all music, but I, I also kind of with the idea of, you know, a lot of folks nowadays will listen to lo-fi, lo-fi beats, or when they're studying, they just have like this music in the background and helps them study or helps them get into a, a train of thought where they're meditative or maybe they're, um, relaxing or, or things like that. And I thought, you know, what if somebody wanted to read this passage, you know, and instead of just reading to the words, um, they could maybe um, feel it in a way that's a little different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, music has a tendency to help embed um, different, different messages, whether good or bad, into our minds and into our hearts. That's what singing time taught me right yeah. kids will learn the gospel singing a song they'll yes. learn principles of the gospel and they'll learn that god lives and they'll learn you know who christ is and and all these things through music and you know i was like well maybe adding a bit of music could enhance the message of these scriptures and so a lot of those were done with that in mind i wanted to not take away from the message, but I wanted to add a sense of drama or a sense of um, punctuation or enhancement to certain messages. So each 
each track on this album obviously has a different feel because you're covering, you know, Nephi's courage or, you know, title of Liberty. Um, there's a track about Alma, the younger and, you know, his, um, repentance process with the angel. And, and that one has kind of a melancholy feel until the, until he calls out to Christ. Yes. And then that's when the track kind of explodes into this, overwhelming sonic thing and i tried to capture what that could have been like for alma you know he says you know oh jesus have mercy and it's just like this overwhelming thing and he's completely forgiven he can remember his sins no more and i i was you know that was what i wanted to try and have that juxtaposition of anguish guilt but then redemption yeah. And so, yeah. but just in line with the scriptures, I didn't want to change any of the words. I didn't want to move anything around. I'm not trying to jump from scripture to verse. I want it in, in continuation from, from where I feel is a good starting point to where I feel is a good ending point. Try not to make the songs too long, right? right. You don't want to have like a 45 minute song, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, how did the process change you? How did it change your relationship with the Savior? Um, you know, I definitely saw myself in so many of these scriptures and these aren't scriptures that I'm unfamiliar with. Like, you know, I've, I've been an active member of the church my whole life. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of these stories and I know a lot of these scriptures, but I don't know, you're probably familiar with editing videos for podcasts and YouTubes. Like you're, you're chopping little things and editing things and you're watching the same thing a million times trying to get everything right. And that's how it is in the music process too. You're, you know, I've probably listened to these 11 passages of scripture. I've probably in the last two months or three months that I've really put everything together and the finishing touches, I've probably listened to these 11 passages 500, 700 times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm trying to put, the words in the right spot and I'm trying to find the right musical part to go on this part right here. And, uh, and then, you know, you got to mix it right. Oh, is this too loud? Is this too soft? You know, and you got to go do it again and you got to listen to the whole thing. I mean, I uploaded it to the, the service I use that sends it out to the streaming services. Uh-huh. I had uploaded the whole album three different times because I found little things that were wrong <laughs> in one track and i'd be like ah had to delete everything fix that one track upload everything again i did that three times so even then i'm just i'm listening to everything in the final run through another 20 times each right so it's like these these passages just became so embedded into into my mind and they became so embedded into part of the musical soundtrack of my life now like it's now in a positive way like in a way that reminds me of what it means to really have the scriptures written on your heart to where you can't forget them like so it's been such a positive thing because obviously it's something to work towards it's a project everyone needs a project 
but it was one of those projects that had me constantly listening to and analyzing like you know musically what am i trying to convey when it talks about you know how beautiful are the feet upon the mountains of those you know like how would i make that sound musically yeah right and so it was just i don't know it was it was such a wonderful thing to dedicate that time of my life to just trying to express something that was that i liked but hopefully that other people like too yeah well it's fantastic and and now knowing your story and the story behind the album uh just makes it even better so thank you so much for taking the time now if if someone wanted to hear the music is it out is it released it's going to be released january 30th okay so by the time next go ahead oh yeah that's next tuesday so yeah yeah january 30th so normally i release on wednesdays so this this will probably be out the day after you release uh so where where can people go so it's uh the artist is called latter-day beats that's what it's called so latter-day beats if you search it anywhere like itunes spotify youtube napster title i don't know pick a streaming service pandora it's on all of them yeah okay so it's going to be streaming everywhere latter-day beats is the artist um and the album's called keystone volume one and uh yeah so well you'll find it everywhere hopefully yeah i i hope you break the internet because so many people are listening to it (laughs) So yeah, thanks again for taking the time. It was really great talking with you, and I'm, I'm, I just feel uplifted. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. 